Sandwich. And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast what? about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Arabic for sandwich. Sandwich? That's right. There you go. Uh, which refers to something that we'll get to later in the show. Um, I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing really good. Have you played Bug Snacks at all? Because there is a Bug Snack called Sandopede that walks around saying Sandopede, which I do frequently now with my daughter. So that's what I... I was really confused at the start of this podcast. I was like, which one? Wait, is this the video game one or the form of the... I, what's happening? Talking about Bug Snacks. Uh, also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Doing pretty well. Uh, excited at the way this season seems to be shaping up. Heck yeah. Uh, if you're new to this podcast, a very warm welcome. And if you are new to the wonderful world of Formula One itself, uh, we've got a podcast episode just for you. Uh, if you haven't heard it yet, our preseason primer episode assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that, uh, it's episode 137. Uh, also, the show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release bonus podcasts uh, and videos uh, exclusively for our patrons covering racing documentaries and films f1 video games and experiments with other racing series a uh, whole lot of weird stuff so if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of that head over to patreon.com slash shift f1 or click the link in the show notes uh, what's been going on this month danny yeah thanks to the over 1000 people we now have 1071 Woo! patrons thank you all so much we had a bunch of signups uh, from last week uh obviously helps us do everything here because we don't do any ads on the podcast except for this section right here uh, <laughs> uh we have uh, the first of our uh, drive to survive uh, review shows is up you can go check that out right now if you sign up um and we'll be getting to episodes four through six in our next one um in oh, the coming meaty. weeks we're trying to get through it pretty quick um uh, yeah, and I'm also moving my race wheel downstairs into a room where I can film from, so expect some awesome race wheel style track walk stuff on the Media Pass. Uh, and of course, thank you to all of our title sponsors, Will Romph, Reagan, Jason Kelly, Jason, Chadwick, Umberto Roca, and some newbies too, Bailey Foote, Abdullah Althani, Sam G, and of course, Circuit Demon, who are now going with the subtitle, now funded completely by Russian oligarchs. Head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 to add your name or to get access to all of our bonus goodies. Cool. Um, boy, we have got a race oh, to talk about. We finally oh, have a race to talk about, you guys. Feels like it's been years. <laughs> uh, I hope I remember how to do this. Um, although, weirdly, it's been, I think this is the shortest time that we've had between the end of a season and the start of a season yeah um, at least in sense. the time that that i've been watching but it has felt so much longer last year was so topsy-turvy with the big like covid break <laughs> you know? yeah it felt like we were in a fugue state where it, well, are we racing are we not racing i don't what's i don't know what's going to happen and then by the time the season ended the racing was so good there were so mm-hmm. many brilliant moments especially with like the last bahrain with perez that we were sort of chomping at the bit for more racing in a weird way, which we're generally not at the end of a 20-race season. <laughs> right. Uh, well, let's just get into it. we got a lot to talk about, so we'll just run down qualifying here. Um, the, the big exclamation point before the race even started was pole position, Max Verstappen with a decisive... Uh, looks like four tenths of a second. Yeah, over Lewis Hamilton. That is. It was close up until that final lap he put in. It it looked way closer. There were we were talking tenths and hundreds of seconds. Um. Uh. uh or rather, yeah, a bit, just barely a little bit more. But yeah, he he stretched that out on that last lap. It was it was something else. Yep, and just behind Lewis in third place, uh, Valtteri Bottas, his teammate, and then Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari. Strong showing. Our preseason, like, predictions, Ferrari just, like, <laughs> took a big steamer all over it. It was, like, the minute I saw the pace they had in practice, it was like, oh, were they sandbagging? What's going on? Uh, also looking quite pacey, Pierre Gasly in his Alpha Tauri in fifth place. Alpha Tauri's for real this season, mark my words. Uh, then we got uh, the two McLaren boys, Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris. McLaren being very consistent here. They're yeah. super close as well, I think. It's like uh, five hundredths of a second or so separate oh, them. Yeah. It keeps, uh, it then, keeps that close. Yeah, it does. Uh, then we've got uh, the other Ferrari, Carlos Sainz. Not bad for his first qualifying in a Ferrari. Um, then Fernando Alonso, 
Um, in the Alpine, and then a, a, there's a big jump between those two teammates. So Alpine, still a lot of question marks around them. Yeah. Um, and then Lance Stroll rounding up the top 10. Sa- same, I would say, I guess, for Aston Martin, because they've got a big jump down to Sebastian Vettel. Um, Billy Stroll got to Q3, unlike... Yeah, Vettel had a... This was the... First, we forget now after the race, but this was actually also Mazepin's fault, because he spun <laughs> at the yes. end of... Uh, uh, Q1 and basically ruined the times for at least two people, Vettel being one of them. Um, the other big, uh, uh, I guess, problem here or, or victim of, of qualifying was Perez not getting into Q3 as well. He he didn't get into the top 10. Yeah, he has that unenviable, well, I don't know. He has the 11th place spot, which is the highest you can go and still get to choose your tires. Because uh, as you may recall, um, if you get into Q3, aka the top 10 you must start the race on the tires that you set your q2 time on but if you don't get there then you can start with whatever you want so that's you generally also have an extra set kind of free because you didn't burn them off in q uh three unless you're one of those teams who's like you know the ones who only want to get into 10 and then just don't even bother because they're just like oh we'll keep the extra set right um yeah, and, and while we're talking about gulfs between teammates, uh, Perez is 10 spots behind for Stappen, but um, he, Perez, chalked it up this 11th place to just being unfamiliar with the car. Um, and at least we now we, we do know that the Red Bull is uh, very capable. So Yes. Um, and I think Perez said before, maybe in, around testing, that it's going to take him five races or so to get used yeah. to the car. Yeah, just time, um, just to, to, with testing being so truncated, and also practice because we had these sixty-minute sessions instead of the nineties. Uh, there was there were way more. There was way more stuff going on during practice. There was way more cars out, um, and also F one TV. I'm sure we'll talk about it, but F one TV have done loads more in terms of the production around the events. They have a pre-show now. They have a post-show on the race, and they also had like multiple uh, presenters during practice sessions that they were cutting in and out of so almost kind of going toe-to-toe with the sky broadcast actually um so it was very interesting to see all that as well but practice was way more watchable as a result it was just way more going on cool yeah i mean and so many more question marks and enticing storylines going in uh than we usually get totally um but yeah rounding out the rest of the grid here uh, antonio giovanazzi in 12th uh, alpha romeo's looking relatively strong compared to last year um and then the first of the rookies, Yuki Tsunoda, in a respectable 13th place in his Alpha Tauri. Uh, then Kimi Raikkonen, um, having lost a front wing in a crash in practice two. Uh, and then George Russell in 15th place. Uh, he got to Q2 in the first qualifying session of the year, which Good stuff. I would say bodes well. Um, then Esteban Ocon in 16th, which is maybe a little concerning for Alpine. Uh, Nicholas Latifi in 17th. Ahead of uh, the two Haas boys, which, I mean, we kind of knew this was going to be the pace, Mick Schumacher and uh, Nikita Mazepin. Um, did you see Mick show up in a shirt that said, you know, science is real, black lives yeah. matter? Yeah, somebody sent it to me. <laughs> women's after rights the fact are human rights. I don't rights. know when it was, yeah, but just in case you're <laughs> really like putting the point home that himself and Mazepin may be cut from different blocks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Mick, Mick seems like a... A pretty stand-up guy. Um, I like hearing him on interviews and stuff. He seems quite uh, genuine and um, transparent. So, yeah, like see, like seeing him around the paddock a lot. Yeah, me too. Um, and then in 19th, Nikita Mazepin. And 20th, Sebastian Vettel. Although uh, Vettel qualified 15th, but was knocked mm. down five places for failing to respect those double-waved yellow flags as a result of Mazepin's um, spin. Apparently, he only posted a lap like one hundredth of a second slower than his previous one. So did Mazepin impact him? I don't know. Yeah. You, you kind of can't have that boat ways, right? right? I don't know. I mean, if he was set up to do a better run though, and he had to check up for just a heartbeat, like say he was going to pick up like three or four tenths, right? And he checks up for a second. Like the margins are pretty thin, uh, but yeah, I don't know. This is a, this is a weekend of Vettel, having a lot of excuses after the fact uh for things not going right 
yeah, turn one causing him lots of problems, and also turn two causing a lot of problems. It wasn't just what happened in the race, which we'll get into, but uh, as you mentioned, Kimi did spin and lose a wing on the exit of, well, I guess the entrance into turn three, but Leclerc also spun on turn two. The wind and the dust were causing lots of problems. Um, mm-hmm. You should have seen the first sprint race in F2. It was like it was like somebody put a leaf blower on the track. It was just so sand everywhere. Really? It was wow. ridiculous. Yeah. It was almost like they sent F2 out just to clean it up before the <laughs> before quality started. Uh, well, the drama continues um, into not even the start of the race, but right before Sergio Perez, as he's trundling around, getting into his grid spot on the formation lap, uh, stops off track with an apparent electrical issue. They show his onboard and his... his um, uh, which must be the camera must be run by batteries now that I'm thinking about it right <laughs> because like how would they get signal uh, if his car dies but his it steering wheel just goes completely black it also makes sense that they don't maybe don't want the camera pulling from the electronics of the interfering or right you know yeah, doing anything sense. with the car yeah closed system um, but uh, apparently uh, as of recording they didn't really know exactly or they weren't saying exactly what happened with it but it looked like an, elect- an electrical issue um, Perez lost comms, so the the pit crew couldn't tell him to instruct him on anything. So he just took the wheel, the steering wheel off, and put it back on, and that rebooted the car. <laughs> and he uh, then went to start from the end of the pit lane, which is so it works. An F one car, do. it works the same as in like an Epson printer. You just you know, <laughs> right. plug it in, plug it out. Right. So, um, yeah, I think if you if you drop a certain distance behind the rest of the pack on that formation lap, you are obligated to go into the pit and start from the pit lane. Mm. Um, but I think uh, once he got it started again, the team must have said something like, yeah, you're good. Um, this seems like a niggling uh, electrical problem that Red Bull has been having. So if, the, if it shows up, it generally shows up once and then the rest of the races kind of okay is what they've said so yeah you'd hope it was like something to you know you never know but perhaps an engine mode that was a little bit closer to idle or or some sort of low power mode that won't turn up during the race but it was impossible to tell at the start we were like well is Perez going to last like a lap or you know is he going to be going to have problems later on you know yeah well um do you want to take us through the start Danny of the first race of 2021 Sure, everyone lines up except for Perez, who's obviously starting from the pit lane, has to leave once the final car passes him. And also with the pit lane being as long as it is on these uh, big circuits, you end up having you end up starting really far behind. So we won't see him for a while. But who we did see was the front runners, and the big question mark was over um, Verstappen, who starts can be hot or cold. Uh, Bottas is generally are, are probably the least impressive of the, the three front runners, and Hamilton has been fairly consistent in recent years actually, so um, who will get that uh, that drive into the, the first turn here? Um, as it happens, the two front runners have pretty good starts, um, so does Bottas as well, although he's been challenged by Leclerc, who had a particularly good start as they get into that first turn. Um, everyone going into that first straight uh, between turn three and turn four is basically in the position they were in i think lando at that stage is passing danny ricardo uh, for position there um but in the background we see the sort of inverse of roman grosjean's crash last year uh where nikita Mazepin instead of flying into the left of the camera stage left as it were um uh into where your car is not supposed to go uh he loses grip basically just on the throttle a little bit too much you know the same way you are in the f1 games and you take off all the uh all the safety elements um spins off and goes into the gravel and um crashes his car in an unforced error crash with himself as uh, uh martin brundle put it um and then the only other major overtake that happened during that period because the safety car was brought out fairly close was the Claire nipping Botas um just before sector two which meant that when they did the restart on uh lap four Leclerc had position there yeah um just a couple things about that Mazepin crash first of all it was really scary for me to see a Haas go off track from that exact camera angle it was very weird yeah um Race fans apparently uh, did some digging and says that it was the shortest debut race for a driver <laughs> since 2002. But I looked that? that up, and that was when Felipe Massa and Alan McNish got caught up in an accident that was caused by Ralph Schumacher, 
so Mazepin did this one on his own. Uh, okay, so, so th- yeah, that was a car in an unforced error. This was right. or in an error they couldn't nothing to do with. Whereas this was Mazepin. Yeah, with cold tires at the start of a race, it's just it's you know it it adds fuel to the fire, right? Of people wondering if Mazepin. Yeah, who is it? Somebody said to me on I think it was Danielle actually. Uh, Riendo said um, Lando Norris or. Uh, 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 I always get the two of them mixed up. There's two rookies. Um, Lance Stroll um, must feel like the luckiest guy in the world right now to have Nikita <laughs> Mazepin there because any questions about paid drivers or daddies owning the uh, the team, you know, Mazepin's taken all the heat now and this yeah. certainly didn't help his cause. Yeah, uh, Jack Aitken, the driver you may recall, filled in at Williams for George Russell last year uh, at this track in the Secure Grand Prix, uh, said on Twitter, quote, Suddenly feeling a lot better about the 60 laps I managed in suck here before my spin. Um, <laughs> it's and the fact that he looked like he ruined qualifying um, <laughs> and then does this at the start of the race, uh, plus the body of work, the sort of do the, the character he sort of cut uh, coming to the season. Like it's all shaping up real like for a really awful narrative around this guy. Um, but you know, these are embarrassing mistakes, uh, to, to be making and yeah, it's, you know, stroll looked weak at the wheel of a car sometimes, but not like it made no sense that he was there. Uh, pastor, you know, on his day looked like a very good driver. The issue was that like, he didn't have enough of those days. And when he made mistakes, they were like catastrophic, um, Mazepin, it's it's not certain that we've seen anything yet that indicates like, oh yeah, well you know when he's on his game, um, it's not clear what game there is to be had. Um, but yeah, it's it's shaping up really poorly for him, um, and it's kind of satisfying to watch. It yeah, yeah. it 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 shows the gulf between F two and F one as well, right? Because he was complete, he was perfectly capable. I mean, he was in the mix for a large part of the F two season last year, um, uh, for the you know championship before uh, sort of Eilat and Schumacher and and some of them sort of stretched out a bit near the end. But uh, you know, he was in good battles there. But the difference in machinery and the difference in speed and acceleration and torque is it's worlds apart, right? Between F two and F one, and yeah. It, it work with him there. The problem is right, and you can read into this because, like, we, me and Robert talked yesterday about the Maldonado stuff, right? Isn't like we sort of we like to joke about Pastor, but like he didn't have that many unforced. Like even Grosjean on a bad day had more, you know, binning it when no one was near him incidents than Maldonado. Did. Maldonado was just kind of like reckless, you know, and maybe you know a bit hot headed you know crashing out into hamilton and uh in uh, valencia and stuff you know these moments that we remember but this is entering like the sort of or this could the worry is that this enters the sort of uh remember the f2 driver uh mahavir uh, ragunathan the guy mm-hmm. who like got so many penalty points that they could have banned him like a second time like this is the worry that we now enter this situation where people just want to stay away from him on the track and we haven't seen him in a long race but Blue flag. There are people who didn't get out of the way of blue flags enough, and I think it's going to be interesting to see if he... I think the best thing he can do is keep his head down. Just keep the car on the track. Don't make errors for a couple of races. Uh, This is also a guy who um, spent some of his own money to do private tests in Mercedes F1 cars. Like, outside of, um, you know, officially racing. Like, during the most recent break or in the past in the past like in the past That's... few years he has just paid mercedes to take one of their old <laughs> f1 cars out on the track just, just to learn it so yeah uh there's also a website now uh mazespin mazespin i love mazespin, it uh which right. has so far recorded one preseason testing spin uh one in practice two one in practice three two in qualifying and uh this one in the race for a total of five um which yeah he he hit the wall and took himself out of the race so wow. uh i say to that great keep doing he's that. consistent mm-hmm. it's important in an f1 driver regardless yeah, of gonna... looking at him seeing like those are rookies numbers man you gotta pump those numbers <laughs> <laughs> uh we do get a safety car Perez pits for some new tires uh and then we restart on lap four you yeah can we do this one as well yeah yeah yeah, I mean, not not much in terms of the front runners. Again, they're all fairly tidy um, through these early uh, 
uh, uh, corners. And I'm not sure if it's people are gun shy from practice because we had a lot of spins in practice in quality because the wind and the wind on race morning was um, uh, the problem was that it wasn't consistent. It was actually gusting a lot. So drivers were not sure when they were going to catch um, catch a bit of it. But it was generally happening up after turn uh, three, sort of in that sector before they dip down into the, the belly of sector two. Um, but yeah, all mostly fine. Uh, Schumacher, unfortunately, had a bit of an off on, I think it was, was it the outside of turn three? And then the biggest loser out of this section was... Um, I guess Ricardo, uh, while fighting for position, Gasly tried to uh, catch up with him a little bit as they exited turn sort of four or five around there. Um, and Gasly hit the back of him, losing his front wing, but actually came out after the race as well. That It looks like Daniel suffered some s- fairly moderate to severe floor damage at the back of the car. Uh uh, the rake, which is a word we're going to hear a lot about this year, uh, I suspect, um, uh, which may have affected his race pace because it looks like he was struggling for race pace uh, in a way that, as we know by the end of the race, uh, Lando wasn't so much. Yeah. Um, also, uh, in the background, Mick Schumacher spun his Haas, but I'm sure it was just an honest mistake because he's great. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that the way we're going to come down on this? It's like it's the way I am. Yeah, we're just, yeah. You can call bias, and it's absolutely true. (laughs) Well, he was also disappointed. There was a couple of drivers. Sonoda wasn't very happy with his early um, start, with his start as well. And Sainz said he was a little bit defensive. I think there's a bit of sort of, you know, roast, or what's the opposite of roast in his glasses? Being overly critical, you know. Yeah, well, it's your first race. You don't want to screw it up. Well, exactly. It's almost always, though, the the genre this always fits into. All these dudes are saying, like, yeah, I should have gone for it a bit more. I should have been more aggressive. Like, it's also <laughs> kind of the aesthetic of F1 drivers right now. They all come right. off the track being like, you know what I made? You know what mistake I made? I just wasn't enough of a badass. I should have just, I should have just unleashed the beast out there. But I was being so conservative. If I'd really let myself off the leash, you'd have seen something. And like, I get it. But at the same time, uh, oftentimes, especially with like younger drivers, sometimes there's like an excess of caution. A lot of times when things go wrong, you know, it's like it's the dog that didn't bark. Like, we don't know what yeah. would have happened if you had gone <laughs> for it. But if it goes wrong and you're going for it in sort of a chancy situation, nobody's like, what? A-. Or you get a couple of people, you get a couple of times where people will say, what a hero. Like, love to see drivers do that. And then people are like, you need to finish the race, though. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> I... I I take that with a huge grain of salt because it feels so much like this is just the uh, figure F1 drivers like to cut uh, right now. <laughs> Meanwhile, you see at the front of the grid a lot more calculation. Like Verstappen on this on this restart, he didn't he didn't go at all. He kept that traffic backed up to the line yeah. so that Merck wouldn't get any run on him, and it, it worked. He fed Hamilton back into uh, Norris, I think, or was it Leclerc? Leclerc, um, I think, yeah. yeah. And Hamilton had to like fight a little skirmish uh you know right there um on on the restart as well so like you you look toward the front of the grid it's a pretty calculating place um and i i think in in the long run that is probably the way to approach the sport yeah uh norris does get by ricardo um who's then yes in front of gasly uh gasly has to come in and pit to change that wing once he he um hits ricardo uh, ricardo actually didn't even notice that gasly had hit him um after oh, really? the race apparently he goes up and, uh, and chats was chatting with gasly uh, and he said hey man what happened and gasly's like i ran to the back of you you're kidding oh my god yeah. um but yeah norris uh is not done overtaking people he goes after leclerc on lap eight with drs oh, yeah. um but this is not the ferrari of last year and leclerc uh fights tough N- norris has to go wide to avoid a collision. Great battle. Um, yeah. He, he Norris complains about it, but Brundle says uh, Leclerc was ahead in the corner, so it was his. Uh, Norris does get back at him on the start-finish straight on the next lap with DRS. Uh, Leclerc then again tries to fight back, but Norris keeps it. So, yeah, if, if we keep getting awesome midfield battles like this, uh, that'd be all right. Well, and we also had a good little clash between Botas and Leclerc a minute earlier where... Um, you know, he had 
gone really aggressively into four, maybe too aggressively, and uh, Valtteri kind of locked up the brakes. But the thing I kind of dug was that he just kind of smoothly cut Leclerc off through five and six. Like, you watch, it was one of those very, like, oops, I locked up. I'm just regaining my car uh, through the little five-six switchback. And Leclerc was completely uh, balked by that and yeah. sort of ended up falling back into Norris's clutches. So, do you know? Do you know what a nice little sweet spot about that as well is that? Do you remember Russell overtaking Bottas at that section uh, right. during the Bahrain race at the end of last season? Do you remember it was like the the overtake of the race mm-hmm. was Russell taking the sort of outside to inside line during oh, that section? Perfect. So, yeah, it was cool to see Bottas kind of, uh, yeah, you know redeem himself there i do think with the norris thing like i I, leclerc is turning one of those drivers for me where like when he goes wide and forces someone off like i'm never totally sure it's on the level like like i get what brundle's (laughs) saying but at the same time like there's a body of work now where like leclerc's signature move is to kind of not leave people room um and there have been a few places where I've thought it's kind of been right up on the edge. I think this is probably just one of those times where that's just the way the race goes. That's the that's the flow of the circuit. Uh, but yeah, it just remains now one of those things I can't unsee. Like after some of uh, his clashes in the last year or two, I'm like, I don't know what kind of I don't know what kind of racer he is when it's wheel to wheel. Or I don't yeah, fully trust. I agree. It. It, it reminds me of a lot of Vettel a few years back. Like just there are some drivers that are wider shoulders, right? Um, uh, and I see that too with him for sure it it seems like it's part of his style whether or not it's aggressive or not or intentionally so but yeah yeah I guess you just do it until someone tells you not to <laughs> right um, lap 14 Hamilton pits uh, and we fully expect Red Bull then to immediately pit Max Verstappen um, Hamilton is in second Max is in first uh, and this is the the undercut that we're talking about, uh, or that we did talk about in um, the primer. Red Bull does not pit, though. So yeah, surprising. Just to explain again the the undercut, Hamilton has pitted, so he now is way behind Verstappen because the pit stop you know takes like twenty five seconds or whatever. Um, but because he's got new tires, he's much faster than Verstappen. So if Verstappen doesn't pit right away, Hamilton's going to make up that difference and more. So that when Verstappen does finally pit, he'll come out behind Hamilton. Um, I didn't really understand why Red Bull didn't immediately pit to to negate that. Um, but apparently Red Bull did not have enough tires of the right compound to do the same strategy as Hamilton. So Hamilton's going to go medium, hard, hard. Uh, and Red Bull has to now extend their first stint to be able to go medium, medium hard. Interesting. Uh, they, they burned one more set of hard tires in practice, so they did not have that available to them. That's funny because at the time, Brundle was noting the fact that Mercedes couldn't go onto new mediums uh, because hmm. they had burned those up in quality. Or I guess, you know, I don't know when when that happened. Maybe it was in practice where the, it happened. But um, yeah, that's interesting. I was wondering myself why that was, um, especially this year, given the fact that everyone is taking the same tire allocation, right? You'd, yeah. you'd expect this to be happening less, but I guess that wasn't the case. Well, this is something that Verstappen certainly came away feeling like they disadvantaged him with the strategy. Um, you know, he, he sort of put this on lack of tire uh, flexibility uh, due to not having that extra set of hards. Horner, um, I don't know, maybe this is just like sort of defending the team. I don't know. Like Horner's position was the, the Merc is a good race pace runner. Um, and it's still a real champ on uh, tire degradation. Mm-hmm. And so that was that's fundamentally what they were up against. It wasn't so much tire strategy. It's just that the Merc is a hard car to reel in and run down via tire strategy. I don't know. To me, like in the race, it seemed like an awkward play. Um, and it seemed to sort of reshuffle the race in it. St- it was still in Red Bull's favor, but it did seem like it was going to shift things uh, to Verstappen having to recover ground as opposed to defend it. Yeah, yeah. and it's you know that that is a viable strategy, be- um, and, and it sort of played out this way because even though Verstappen will be behind Hamilton, his tires will be much newer than Hamilton's when the time comes to pass him, but. 
you do seed track position, which is, you know, a big deal. Right. But Verstappen then does pit on lap 18 and goes on to the second set of medium tires. Um, lap 21 is the next. Behind Hamilton, should be noticed. Yes. Just, yeah, he yeah. does come out behind Hamilton. Um, lap 21, pretty fun battle with Vettel oh, in eighth place. So good. Uh, that he, Vettel he Alonso had, signs pod yeah. was just yeah. incredible. You want to take us through it, Rob? Um, like I don't have too many details on it. Like I just, I just mm-hmm. sort of had it in my notes that this was a great like two two laps where these guys were all traveling in a group. And the thing that does give me a little bit more, um, like Vettel made some mistakes, but a thing to remember here is that Vettel's tires were in uh, pretty rough shape at this point. Like Vettel <laughs> yeah. was on a super long stint, and so this is why you get this uh, pile up around him because he's a little bit of a moving chicane. Uh, but also like he is he, like he made it work uh, and you had a lot of um, crisscrossing action as these guys sort of overtook and retook. It was one of those things where for the field to finally sort out, you had people to pass each other. People needed to pass each other like a couple times to make it stick. It was really right. cool. Yeah. The problem with this race was that there was so much going on. I, there was an interview with Ocon after the fact where he said he talked to his race engineer and he said, oh, I guess the, they didn't show all the battles we were in because he said, like, it looks like, I guess, from the engineer's perspective, when they're watching the feed, that it was a fairly pedestrian race for him where he was. But there was just so much going on that we didn't get to see it. Um but yeah, that little battle between the, where it sort of came to a head around turn one and it was at Alonso and Sainz got past Vettel, but then Sainz beat Alonso on the straight and then weirdly Vettel also because Alonso was out of position. Uh-huh. Managed to overtake. Carlos Sainz must be having a blast. He's just like, I'm just in the mix with like all these world champions. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe in a it was, Ferrari. I don't know who it was. One of the commentators said that Sainz passed six championships in two corners. <laughs> if only that's how it worked. But and, it was like uh, UFC. <laughs> well, and the other thing is, like, catching up to this group was uh, Perez, who was having a really good mm. recovery drive. Uh, and mm-hmm. so while the scrapping is out of him, he's just, like, closing fast uh, on these on these points positions. Uh, so it was, like, there was a lot of really cool stuff happening in the mid-pack and around the, like, uh, P10 crossover point. Yeah. Uh, throughout throughout this race and it's one of those things where i think between now and next next episode like i definitely want to like look up uh we were talking a bit about this before the show the uh yeah the Tsunoda. uh people were coming out of this being like man he showed a lot and i'm like i didn't see it <laughs> <laughs> yeah at the f1 uh, i think they put i haven't watched it yet but they put up like a, a specific video on their youtube channel where i think they showed a bunch of the stuff that didn't get broadcast of Sonoda's run through um, but yeah, same for Perez. We didn't see a lot of that, um, which, you know, turns out, who knew Perez is good at coming from the back of the field in Bahrain. <laughs> I guess he's got some good experience of of that in recent races. Yeah, but as you mentioned, lap 27, um, Tsunoda gets by uh, that that fledgling Alonso for 11th place. Mm. Uh, so points feel good. on debut are within striking distance for young Yuki. Um, and he does it against uh, Raikkonen on lap 38, a clinical move with DRS. Um, yeah. But in the meantime, sorry, Danny, you want to elaborate? No, 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 go ahead. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, uh, a, a couple uh, <laughs> bad things befall. Some other players on the field, lap 30-ish, uh, Botas has a terrible pit stop. Oh, yeah, um, killer. Burns like 10 seconds in the pit, which is not good. Red Bull did a 1.9 pit stop. Yeah. For Verstappen, right? Which, yeah. unfortunately, still put him out behind Hamilton. <laughs> right. Um, and lap 32, Alonso does go out with brake issues, which turn out to be because a plastic sandwich bag found its way into his brake duct. God. Fodruckers does it again. <laughs> uh, I thought it was funny. Um, uh, David Croft saying uh, Alonso goes out with suspected brake problems and uh, Mazepin has gone out with suspected crashing out problems. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Rough times. Even uh, the commentators are dunking on Mazepin. Uh, good debut from Fernando. Um, solid. You know, 
I think he he I have never seen him just so jovial he seems super jazzed to be back in Formula One like even when they pulled him in he was like all right (laughs) that was fun I can I'm old now I can have a rest (laughs) right uh lap 40 uh by this time Hamilton and Verstappen have completed their final stops so now Mm. Verstappen has 16 laps to chase Hamilton down um lap 44 Speaking again of Sebastian Vettel, oh, uh, who wants to take us through this incident? Maybe Rob? Yeah, I mean, so we didn't see it happen live. We just saw the two cars. The camera cut to the two cars were sort of slewed around on track. Did all this happen at turn one? Yeah. 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 Uh, and so we, we we play it back, and I, I can't remember. I think we might have heard the radio call from Vettel as we're seeing the incident play, where we hear Vettel... Um, <laughs> On camera, he's coming up fast behind uh, Ocon and tucks in behind him and starts to break, but it has no room left to break. He's left it way too late and just like piles into his back end. And on the radio, you hear, why'd he move over? Uh, so stupid <laughs> or something like that. And it was just a clear unforced error from Vettel um, where he is. He said, why did he change lines? And it was Seb who changed lines. It was ridiculous. Seb was on the inside line. um, So he was going to have to come back out if he was going to get that corner with any kind of speed. And Ocon, who was never really in much danger from being passed, just took the normal racing line. Uh, and Seb was completely flummoxed by that. And after the race, Seb did, after he saw the replay, was like, yeah, I, I guess I guess that was my fault. Um, but it was it was a bad misread uh, from Seb. Um, it was kind of a rookie error to both leave it that late and then to not anticipate that cutting in that close behind somebody would just, like, suck you forward into their like in their wake really like you you're you're sort of tucking in behind them so you're gonna have to you're gonna pick up speed um and that's gonna make it even harder to stop uh in addition to the lack of uh probably aerodynamic downforce the other thing i find a little bit alarming about i do know that seb his first instinct this is just his character is to like say i didn't do it that wasn't me I like, and I try not to read too much into that because, like, that's just like, like it's the heat of the moment. Like, I don't know how I'd react uh, mm. if I fucked up in the middle of Grand Prix. Like, I might also be like, "Oh man, uh, that's crazy! What just happened? Uh, somebody <laughs> totally did something stupid, and I, I had a wreck." I, I might also make excuses, but I think what I find a little bit alarming is that, like, is he also seriously not certain what just happened? Where, like. It's a bit like, um, you know, like uh, when people go to the NFL after college, they're like the speed of the game is just mind boggling. Like quarterbacks, especially where they try to see the field in the pro game. It is so aggressive. It is so fast that it's just hard to read and is chaotic. Is Seb fully like is F1 happening at a pace where Seb is having a hard time like reading what is happening around him? And after the fact, he's like, oh, yeah, clearly I made a mistake. But in the moment, did he seriously think like, oh, Ocon moved over on me? And it's not until he sees the video later that he understands what Hmm. he experienced on track that I would find a little bit alarming because that is like a guy who's either reflexes or like mentality have just shifted. A little bit. Uh, yeah, the, the other sort good. of way of looking at it is that, like, when and I, I, this is a bit reductive as well. So apologies in advance, Vettel fans. But the, the, we often have that argument about how people who are dominant, who are ahead of the pack for a long time, who are kind of racing a different race to the races they race if they're in the middle of the pack. Right? They they have to, you know, overtaking and being defensive and finding your time to finding where you are in the field in relation to. Um, you know tire strategies and stuff like that like there's a lot going on um when he was winning championships he they were fairly dominant so he was out on his own quite a lot more um so but it is it's a worry right because like this was the same stuff we were saying about seb last year um and he looked sloppy even in comparison to his rookie teammate and same was kind of the case this week yeah i it's concerning because this is supposed to be fettel's redemption arc you know new team uh, he's not in that Ferrari anymore. Here we go. This is basically a Mercedes. Let's do this. And then he's making kind of bonehead moves like this. I think I think he may have meant on the radio that Ocon D 
didn't change lines. He actually see... afterwards afterwards he actually apologized. He said that he was wrong. I have the quote here. He said, I thought he would stay right and then he came back left. He was right ahead of me and I locked, so it was probably my mistake. Obviously I'm a bit sorry for such a bad weekend because I know how much prep goes in before the start of a season and the first race. So he I think he just said it he was just being wrong. Like he yeah. he yeah, he said he, he changed lines, not the not Ocon. Yeah, I do. I want. I want to see him do well, and I. I, I hope this car is good this year. Although, uh, Otmar certainly seems upset about the new regulation change uh, going on with the the floor of the car and the downforce, um, which Should we've we mentioned a little bit. Talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess like the simplest way of talking about it is you would have heard the word uh, rake being said a lot, um, which is not a term that comes up all that often, uh, race to race, but essentially it sort of talks about the angle at which the bottom of the car is uh, positioned, that some of them stay relatively even from the you know distance between the base of the car to the ground at the front and the back, and some of them are a bit higher at the back. So it looks like the regulations that have come in seem to be um, not uniformly uh, worsening, but definitely cars with a higher rake seem to be suffering more as a result of... Less. Sorry, less as a, as a result of these um, regulations, which probably has a lot to do with, obviously, aero, uh, ground effect as well. Um, There's a really most- good um, uh, YouTube video from The Race, The Hyphen Race, that I'll put in the show notes that kind of shows um, how a high rake sort of... Uh, is unaffected by the tapering of um, the floor. Uh, it's, right. it's hard to describe, but visually it's it's much easier <laughs> to understand. And obviously, if you've watched Drive to Survive or any of last season, you know that the big controversy with that car was that it was basically a, uh, a fairly... Uh, a good copy of the Mercedes. People called it the pink Mercedes last year. Um, so in many ways, people were saying that these uh, regulations have been brought in to maybe stifle Mercedes or to to close that gap. And it looks like in a sort of in a sort of karmic way that also this maybe isn't great for. Uh, that team, now known as Aston Martin, um, previously Racing Point, who uh, managed to make such a, uh, an advance last year um, in a lot of races because of their new car being so close to Mercedes's. Um, and it seems to have not as affected everyone else as much as a result. Right. Should we talk about track limits as well while we're here? Might as well when we have the big moment, I would say. Like, yeah. Because there, there's an irony to the way all this unfolds. Uh, right. We just want to talk through the the, the chase and the the, ta- the overtake. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so lap forty, uh, Verstappen came in for his for his hards. Uh, he came out eight point seven seconds behind Hamilton, uh, and a few laps go by with that roughly being the state of play. But like by lap forty four, Hamilton is losing almost a half second uh, per lap. So uh, the tire is wearing away quickly. Uh, Verstappen is closing fast. Uh, lap 47, uh, Verstappen is now only like 2.7 seconds behind Hamilton and the window was trying to look like it would happen, uh, sometime around like lap 52 of the 56, uh, laps. Uh, but that timeline is moved up just a little bit because on lap 51, Hamilton has a major lockup and runs off and loses a ton of time. And that puts Verstappen, uh, right on him. Lap 53... Uh, Verstappen is, he's, he's really been, uh, riding Lewis hard for a couple laps and he makes the move at turn four, right? Um, Mm -hmm. and he leaves it very late to get past Hamilton, maybe too late. He runs off the track, uh, car fully over the line and comes out ahead of Hamilton, but, a moment later returns the position to Hamilton and we didn't know it at the time, but that was kind of it. That turned out like he never, he, he stayed close-ish to Hamilton, but he never closed up like he was before he made that passing attempt. Uh, never really got back into a good attacking position. There's a couple things about this. Um, much earlier in the race, Red Bull had noted that, the stewards seemed to be giving 
Mercedes in particular, a lot of latitude with track limits at turn four. That Hamilton, just as a matter of course, his racing line was constantly taking him outside track limits. And they didn't appear to be doing anything about that. So Red Bull kind of said, well, if you need to use more of the track, uh, go for it. Like, feel free. That apparently sent the signal to... This is my interpretation. Massey denies this. But a little while later, Mercedes was told in the message to Lewis, hey, like, respect those track limits a bit more. Um, If we keep going over, we're going to get the uh, black and white flag. Lewis was a little bit put out because he's like, they haven't, this is a change. Like they've been, they've been cool with it for half a race. Um, but they like, now they, now they're changing how they're enforcing this. Uh, but he starts respecting it more. And then at this critical moment, uh, Verstappen goes over those same track limits that the team has sort of pointedly observed that Mercedes was breaching. Now there's greater enforcement. Uh, Verstappen goes over to get this pass and immediately is told by the stewards, like, hey, you gotta, you gotta give that position back. You gained advantage uh, through exceeding track limits. Um, and this is kind of touched off, kind of one of the enduring controversies. Track limits are always an enduring controversy in F one, <laughs> but it seems like absolutely nobody is happy with the way track limits are being enforced or even really described. Uh, pre-race because remember before the races all the drivers are given notes about how the race will be called uh, how they're interpreting track limits to be uh, in cases where there's there's ambiguity Um, and wolf says that it was like total wolf said it was confusing because at the beginning of the race it was said track limits in turn four wouldn't be sanctioned and then in the race suddenly we heard that if you would continue to run wide it would be seen as an advantage and could cause a potential penalty um, i think that's the key there because yeah. um at least the way that i read uh massey's um quotes after the race the you saw track times being deleted in practice and in qualifying if all four of your tires went off the track at turn four. Um, I think what the race direction said for the race is that we won't be deleting any times if you go outside the the bounds of the track there. Um, But there's a separate regulation that says if you gain an advantage anywhere on the track by going off of it um that's not allowed so i guess what that comes down to is yeah if you go outside uh a little bit um we won't invalidate your lap time but if you start going way off and getting multiple tenths of a second up every lap because of it that is a lasting advantage so i think that's where the gray area is the the fact that Verstappen made a pass there, I think, is just unfortunate here and just yeah. muddles everything. Because yeah. if he had made if he had done the same thing at any other turn, it would also be illegal because you left totally. the track and passed somebody. That is never okay. Um, yeah, the fact that it happened at this turn, the contentious turn four, uh, again, just just muddles things. Yeah, and also but you're right. It's, it's clear as mud. Yeah, I think the, the it was interesting to watch a bunch of the post-race interviews of drivers because they were all, a lot of them were fairly clear that like, oh yeah, we were allowed to go wide on four during the race. There was a special note made for practice and definitely qualification that we needed to, you could not go wide on four. But they saw that the line around the outside for four wasn't, um, apparently taking it wide there wasn't creating an advantage. The problem, if you roll back some of the tape on Hamilton, Hamilton was taking it so wide. You should, yeah. like, in comparison to, like, the times where... It's like a car's went, width that he's off oh, the track. Yeah, it's it's really far out there, right? So the if you look at some of the tape of um, some of the cars during practice going wide, it was your standard kind of, oh, they went wide and none of their wheels licked the, you know, outer edge of the curb even. They kind of just went wide. Hamilton was almost like an entire car's width out during the race. So I think... The and I, I think, think that's, that's what a, Red Bull told Max that he could do. Yeah, it wasn't that, just like oh, you can go outside. It. It's like you can really take advantage of it, and that's yeah. what Massey and the team were trying to stop. 
Right. And then they stopped. They basically came down on Lewis. And it all got muddled badly in communication. But I think it was because Hamilton was taking such a wide, like the widest we'd seen anyone mostly done all weekend um, consistently. Um, he, after the race, even said that the other way was better was as was as good you know who knows if he's speaking outside of his mouth or not but you know he said that it was not as much of an advantage and it was actually better for the tires obviously to stay on the track but yeah i think it was unfortunate then that it happened the overtake happened on four because as you said it's it's a pretty yeah clear rule you can't overtake especially the end of a race for the lead (laughs) you know yeah um, I, I do think, though, that uh, regardless of the track limits thing, I do think Hamilton did this on purpose. He left Max the only option to overtake him off of the track because he knew that he would have to give it back anyway. Like like a Leclerc, like just shoulders out. Yeah. It, it, um, it ended up being the only part of the track that was kind of a slam dunk for overtakes if you were on the same tire strategy. Because we saw people do it on turn one, but but not all that much. And there was a surprisingly little amount of overtakes on turn three, um, which I usually, I don't know, I, I, I guess maybe something to do with the slightly weakened cars because it is uphill. Um, but it was a bit odd not to see. I, we're used to seeing more people diving any inside of three. Um, in previous races so I'm not quite sure why but yeah that did seem to be you know it was the setup turn three ended up being for what was going on at four I mean if you had a couple admittedly like it was a bit amateur hour uh, with, with Haas but like if the fear at three is that in those conditions uh, getting on the power too fast coming out of two three is right. kind of a crapshoot as to whether you're just going to lose the car entirely um, I can see where they might not have been as aggressive there and say, okay, well, I'll get them in the run up to four. Um, it, it did seem like maybe not the right place to do it. Um, it, I was... With the advantage in handling uh, Verstappen had, I feel like uh, Sector 2, uh, the, the DRS zone after 10, might have been worth a, worth a look. Um, although the, the power differential didn't seem to totally favor, uh, the Red Bull there. So it, like, it was kind of a wash, but well, weirdly it, enough, his sector two times were way faster than Hamilton, but I think that was more to do with, uh, cornering than, yeah, yeah. than the speed down that part. But if that's where he had the advantage, then I don't know. Like, yeah, that's where he could have maybe, I don't know, like forcing it at four, uh, it did feel like forcing it a bit. Um, I don't know if Hamilton like totally set it up that way, but I, I do think just the way that pass unfolded like Stappen carried a lot of speed into that corner um yeah like it was it was a pretty deep deep lunge uh and so I'm not surprised that it went bad um but yeah I don't know like with the track limit thing I I get Brundle's point because he's a bit of a radical on this where he's like the, the white lines should be sacrosanct like the cars shouldn't go over that well the cars are huge um <laughs> the overtaking is already hard enough, so we already get fuzzy on how strictly we we maintain like where cars can end up uh, as they just go around the circuit. Um, I'm not sure we get better racing if we turn into uh, you know real sticklers for for track limits. This does seem like a a weird place though because I think advantage gets murky. Like, yeah. if somebody's saving their tires by cutting a wide line. And breaking a bit later in the straight line and dumping off the speed with sort of a gentler turn. Um, that is an advantage. It's just not the sort that you see. Uh, right. I think it just gets ironic that Red Bull, having done the very Red Bull thing of pointedly calling attention to a thing in the clear <laughs> air uh, so that the stewards can hear. And then having the stewards then sort of say, okay, people are not happy with how we're, we're adjudicating this. I do think we run into a bit of problem with... Massey claiming that no guidance changed, uh, that everything was was the same throughout the race. I don't know if that totally rings true either, because like it seems to me like the signals they were giving drivers during the race were a bit dependent on what the noises the teams were making uh, was. Yeah, uh, could be clear for sure. Um, but yeah, Verstappen has a few more opportunities to take a shot at passing, but ultimately he cannot get close enough. 
Um, Brundle surmises that Verstappen lost too much ground when he handed the place back and should have done it at a more opportune spot. But Verstappen says he couldn't have, couldn't have done this. Uh, this quote from Autosport, quote, uh, if I would have let him buy later, then it's an unfair way of giving the position back, he said, uh, because then you're so close and it's an easy DRS pass. So I had to do it after turn 10. Um, uh- can I, I so we i'm gonna keep a bunch of emails for next week because we have a big gap coming up weirdly enough for the next okay. couple of weeks between here and imola but there's one email i want to read out now because i think it might work uh for what we're talking about here it comes okay. in from rob uh, rob says a generic opening saying how much i love the podcast would love to hear your thoughts about the prospect that the electrical gremlins on the second red bull cost max the race with the extra formation lap the race was one lap shorter do you think, given another lap and another DRS run down the straight uh, start finish line, Max would have gotten ahead of Lewis? Hmm. It's an interesting. I, uh, I thought like the car had gone away. Like, Max. Do you think it would have been worse, actually, with an extra race? Like, I think the only thing, having the extra lap might have made it so that Max wasn't in such a do it now uh like mindset on the lap where he tried to tried to carry off the move uh right. but he sort of said after that the tires getting to that point with Lewis and then setting up that final attack had taken too much out of the tires uh and so even though they were much younger tires after the after he gave the position back he used up the best of those tires and just right. didn't have that grip and so i don't i i think I think Max cost the advantage um, by maybe rushing the move a little bit. Uh, and I don't know. It, it is frustrating that the Pirellis maybe only give you one shot at things like this with the with, with close racing and that they go away that fast. Like, that might be an issue. But, yeah, I, I just feel like um, Max had been left with a lot of work to do. He had to make up 10 seconds, basically, uh, in the last stint of the race and then overtake Lewis Hamilton. Um and I think probably <laughs> any way you slice it, uh, he was going to get one real clean shot at it. Yeah. And he picked his spot a little bit wrong. Yeah. And Verstappen said right after the race that, um, you know, oh, we should have just finished the race ahead of Hamilton anyway and taken, you know, I could have gotten five seconds ahead, uh, which would have negated any five second penalty. But um, I saw Anthony Davidson on Sky say that the penalty would have been 10 seconds. So that wouldn't have worked either. They're not going to let you um, like they're not going <laughs> to if you want to see how quickly the rules will be changed. Like, yeah. Have somebody yeah. be like, yeah, fine. Give me the 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 uh, five second wrist slap uh, for a Grand Prix deciding uh, illegal overtake. Yeah, we were That's talking yesterday about how you just like cut chicanes then at that. You know, you just start to make right. up your own racetrack at that stage for the last lap. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is awesome. I think it bodes well for the season. Um, yeah, great race. Them great being race. so close. It also just showed Hamilton's actual skill, which is something we so rarely get to see. Skill in, in like on track battles, right? Not just like yeah. in, in tire management. Dude oh. is just so good at managing tires. He's, yeah. he's, he's won with the, with the ground. It's unbelievable. And he was, he was millimeter perfect in defending. Yeah. Like he put his car, it, you know, um, in places that were not turned four. Um, also like in the exact right place that would make it as hard as possible to right. pass. So run us down um, the grid. Cause, cause the battles that were going on here are the whole way down. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I and finally, I like, I'm also just right. excited to see that it was not a easy DRS pass, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Lewis Hamilton sets the record for the most laps led in formula one ever passing michael schumacher for 5126 uh he comes home in first followed by max verstappen and then valtteri botas um who managed to hold on to third after that horrendous pit stop and then lando norris coming home in fourth place sergio perez uh made it all the way back up to fifth nice work incredible showing i think he got driver of the day as well uh charles leclerc ends it in sixth followed by daniel ricardo who again had some floor damage after his um uh, incident with gasly carlos signs and uh, his ferrari eighth place and then yuki Tsunoda had a awesome last lap pass on lance stroll to take yeah. ninth place so uh, that is also he, he wouldn't have been video. able to sleep that night had he not gone for it <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh lance stroll final points paying position uh in 10th 
place. Behind him, Kami Raikkonen, Antonio Giovinazzi, those alphas, again, looking pretty strong. Uh, Alpine has uh, Esteban Ocon in 13th place, followed by George Russell in 14th, Sebastian Vettel in 15th, Mick Schumacher in 16th, Pierre Gasly in 17th, and Nicholas Latifi in 18th. Not classified were Fernando Alonso and Nikita Mazepin. Uh, Botas scored an additional point for setting the fastest lap of the race. Uh, you may, if you recall watching the race, Valtteri Botas was so far ahead of Lando Norris that he was able to pit and still come out in third place, yeah. um, which is why he did that to get that fastest lap point. Uh, and Vettel received a 10 second time penalty for causing uh, that collision with Ocon. Mm. What a race. I could, yeah. I could do, I could do this 22 more times. Sure. <laughs> Thankfully we go to different places. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, a good way to kick off the season. So much. It, 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 it's so funny, right? Whenever we, do the preseason primer and testing we always say the first um race will probably answer a lot of questions completely honestly i actually think i have more questions coming out of this than i did going in it's really difficult to sieve out, to, to sort of sieve out that mid-pack and um, we still don't really know like the gap the, the battle between red bull and mercedes is very close you know between quality and race pace they're they're really close so that it's I think actually I would have a harder time doing a prediction now than I did last week. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um that those are in effect the driver standings, but in constructor standings, Mercedes is currently on top with 41 points, followed by Red Bull with 28, McLaren with 18, Ferrari with 12, Alpha Tauri with 2, and Aston Martin with 1. Alpha Romeo, Alpine, Williams, and Haas all have 0 points after one race. In the Shift F1 Fantasy League, Richard Team 1 uh, is currently in first place <laughs> after one round. And then in second, Yuki, son of Yoda. Good. Good for uh, good. And then what is this? Gene Haas's House of Genes <laughs> uh, is tied with Franz Toast and uh, Queen Latifi for third. Oh my God, that's so good. Queen Latifi, so good. That is very good. Um, that's almost too good a name for him. <laughs> Sorry, Nicholas. I want Nicholas to get angry this year. I want angry Nick. He's like he's like he's like the protagonist of one of those movies where they're like, you know, before they have their turn and they turn into the angry guy and then they kill everyone. He's like puts that's on sunglasses. Nick. Yeah, exactly. He's just gonna someone's gonna, he's like falling down. Nicholas Latifi. I just want him to snap. <laughs> oh my God, let's watch falling down. <laughs> um there are cars in that right uh if you'd like yeah, to send us an email traffic. you can do so over at shift f1 podcast at gmail.com that's true there's traffic plays a big role uh or go hey, to that's f1 a movie falling down that's a race <laughs> movie <laughs> all day i'd watch that that's so good f1.cool slash emails uh we're also on twitter at shift f1 podcast i'm at drew scanlon uh that's at danny o'dwyer and at rob zachney that is us around the internet should we take it around the world danny Let's race around the world. Yeah. Extreme E. Oh my God, it's happening. You all remember that uh, Nintendo 64 racing game with the motorcycles yep. and the and the, the missiles and put it right under your tongue. Yep. Oh, sorry. The Extreme E is uh, the off-road racing series that is electrical. Uh, it is a Started by the same guy, Alejandro Agag, I believe, who yeah. did uh, ex- uh, Formula E. He's on an um, E mission. That's, yep. Um, they are kicking off in Saudi Arabia. Somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Because they're not, because yes. the whole point is they're not in a city. So that's probably as descriptive as they'll get. Yeah. Parts um, unknown, Saudi Arabia. I think they, the official line is we wanted to go to a desert to highlight uh, the dangers of uh, desertification. Um, I'm sure that's the what? only, yeah. I'm yeah. sure that's the only reason you're in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia uh, is the only country with deserts. Yep. MotoGP <laughs> is at uh, the Losail International Circuit in Qatar again uh, for their second round. Uh, heck of a first round as well. Oh, I missed it. And uh, Super Formula is at the Fuji Speedway in Oyamacho. Suntokun. 
Shizuoka-ken. Japan. What? Wait, 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 wait. Which was the prefecture? The ke- uh, sorry. Shizuoka-ken is the prefecture. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I guess they don't say prefecture in Japan. They just say that. No, yeah, okay. Makes sense. First prefecture of the season. Loving it. Yes. Um, did anybody watch that? The dirt stuff? At yeah. I'm guessing we'll probably talk about this a bit more next week, maybe. But that was very funny. That was very, very funny. That was so stupid. I loved it, though. Like, yeah. God help me, it was great. What a weird... What? A, every, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about it next week. Jeez, what a nightmare, <laughs> top to bottom. I mean, Just except great for the stuff. rain, the race was good. <laughs> I, haven't seen, I haven't seen the NASCAR race. I watched the trucks race, but I haven't seen the One by again, one. guy named Trucks. It got because it was it ended up on Monday, right? It got yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love how like at the start of the weekend it was a mud oval, and by the end it was just kind of a dirty oval. <laughs> it was a racing line. Oh my god, yeah, right, right. Well, I'm sure we'll have uh, a, a lot of uh, weird stuff to fill all the time next week because we have a, a three week gap um, we between the races, uh, between this race and the next one in Imola um so yeah yeah we will be uh, back yeah. next week though and the other thing i wanted to say was we'll probably do a little bit of formula 2 talk next week we kind of want to maybe highlight formula 2 a bit more this year i know i, I love watching it every weekend but uh, um drew and rob made a good point that it's also a series that people kind of uh, bank a few races and then kind of go check out so uh we'll talk a bit a little bit during the break but um i'll give you a heads up because we don't want to spoil it for people as well but check out formula 2 if you're if you're bored over the next three weeks as well they did three races um yeah in, and if you have Bahrain. f1 tv you have access to all the formula 2 stuff too totally and if and if you don't the youtube uh, f1 channel posts like 8 minute highlights of the various races so also just worth checking in there cuz who knows you might see a bunch of them in formula 1 soon indeed uh, final thoughts on the race, Rob. Um, I still feel good about my predictions, right? Like, I mean, Mercedes uh, has fully gone into panic mode. You had them, a <laughs> uh, bunch of quotes from them this week being like, we don't have any advantages left. Uh, this whole rake thing has just destroyed us. Uh, and we're we're going to be in trouble against Red Bull all season. I don't know how that bears out. It's the first race, but like, Red Bull did appear to have the advantage here, and as Perez, if Perez doesn't have bad luck and it comes more in terms of that car, um, I think we could have a really exciting season uh, for how well matched a lot of these teams are. They're, you know, it's very much uh, a a field where it feels like a lot of things can happen. Indeed, Danny. Final thoughts? Yeah, just I got more questions and answers than I had uh, before the start of this one. Um, it sucks that it's a three-week break right now because it yeah. looks like the makings of an awesome uh, season. So I guess I'll have to wait patiently until we head off to one of the most fun tracks we had last year, Imola. Indeed. Well, if you would like to support the show and get access to all of those bonus episodes, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shift f1 have a good race weekend everyone we will see you all next week meow